You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Phantomaniacs, I am currently in a Dragon Con-induced panic, but before I get to that, welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast. Uh, today's episode is a recording of the toy panel that I did for the American Sci-Fi Classics track at Dragon Con, and it's, uh, it's, it's quick. I threw it together. I mean, I just recorded the thing and put it on here and you're going to get exactly what went down. Uh, not because of any integrity on my part or any need to, to give you the Phantomaniacs exactly what happened, but because I just don't have fucking time to edit this thing like I normally would. Uh, it's okay though because it, it moves along pretty well. Uh, Gina Phillips and Gary Mitchell joined me on this one and I think we did a pretty good job. It's tough to talk about the history of action figures. It's it's something, you know, we had several decades to try and, and get into, and we could have easily made ten different panels out of the topic of action figures from the 70s to 90s to now. It, it's a big category, but... Everybody had a lot of fun. Uh, the room was packed. The audience had fun. They stuck around. Uh, I want to thank once again Billy's Toys and Comics for sending along uh, an absolute ton of vintage toys for me to display. And I definitely need to thank uh, Zach Oat at Diamond Select Toys for sending along a bunch of their modern stuff uh, to, to display and to give away. The, that was pretty awesome to be able to do that to, to you know not only entertain everybody for an hour but also to be able to give them a little something to take home uh those that were able to answer uh some eh, not too bad trivia questions considering i thought them up off the top of my head memo to myself next year write down trivia questions beforehand uh but it was it was amazing. Uh, all of the panels that I had that weekend were amazing, and I'm going to be putting them up all for you uh, as kind of little mini episodes here. I haven't decided yet if this is going to be episode 10, and then I have 11 and 12, which will be the Masters of the Universe and G.I. Joe panels, or if I'll just do 10.1, 10.2, 10.3. I don't know, because they're full. I mean, they're an hour, so... We'll find out. You'll know by the time you are listening to this. I, as of yet, do not know. So anyway, my Dragon Con induced panic. Uh, last year, I stay, I stay at the Hilton every year. The secret is out. But, uh, that's where I stay. I like it. It's not in the middle, but it's a really nice hotel. The people there are really nice. And it's just, I, I dig it. I really like the Hilton. Last year, when you checked out, they gave you a little a, a website code thing, and if you had stayed at the Hilton in 2012, then you got a little early access to book your room for 2013. This year, they gave you a similar thing, except they released it all over the internet, so everybody on the planet had access to this on-sale date. It wasn't anything special. So what I have just gone through uh, exactly 35 minutes ago, when they went on sale at 10 a.m. Uh, Tuesday... Uh, everybody got on, and it was the exact same thing as trying to buy something from MaddieCollector.com on sale day. It was horrible. It was complete with a white screen of death. Uh, now, granted, I, I got to look at DJ Spider's lovely face on the white screen of death the whole time, and that was super, but, man, it was rough. I, I sat there uh, for five minutes waiting to get in, you know, past 10 o'clock. And then a couple minutes after that, it took me to actually get in. And then when I once I finally got into the reservation screen, only the expensive rooms were available. And, and guys, I'm going to be honest with you. I just can't afford to pay $271 a night for, for a stay. I can't. And certainly not $700, which was the other option. Yeah. Um, 
but I, I said, I can't do that. I don't know what to do. Oh, well, I guess the Marriott goes on sale October 9th, and I'll try that, even though the Marriott historically has sold out even faster than the Hilton. But I tried again, I searched again, I searched again, and then finally regular rooms came up, and I was able to book my room, so I'm good to go. But, man, it was nerve-wracking. Uh, not not pleasant in in any way at all. But, uh, you know, it's done. It's covered now, and I will be at Dragon Con next year. I've already gotten my work schedule for next year, actually, and it's the same kind of deal as I had this year where I can sort of use minimal vacation to get maximum days off, so that's pretty satisfying. But anyway, back to the toy panel. Uh, it's a great time. We we scratched the surface. We didn't even scratch the surface. We It would be like if you took a potato and rubbed it on the surface, whatever that does. I don't know. But... Uh, here it is, live from the Marriott at Dragon Con 2013. It is myself, Gary Mitchell, and Gina Phillips talking about action figures. I certainly hope you enjoy it. Anybody go to wrestling last night? Well, yeah, I know you did. You probably sound better than I do right now. I was trying to be reserved and not scream too much and control my alcohol intake. And obviously, that plan went really, really well, let me tell you. Um, We're here today. We're going to be talking about action figures. Uh, We're going to be focusing on the 70s uh, up to now. And the original plan was 70s to 90s, but I do want to go ahead and mention right now, uh, do you guys remember Toy Fair Magazine? Yeah. You remember a guy named Zach Oat? Uh, he was one of the big, big head honchos at Toy Fair. Uh, I contacted Diamond Select Toys, and it just so happened that Zach Oat is working at Diamond Select Toys now, and he sent me all of this stuff for the panel, uh, which I think was pretty solid. So. Yeah. Definitely give some credit to Diamond Select Toys for stepping up because I I sent out uh, when I found out I was going to be doing this panel, I thought why not send out emails to everybody, uh, Mattel, Hasbro, blah blah blah, everybody else, and just see. I didn't expect anything from anybody. And the next day, this man responded and was like, "What do you need? What are you doing?" And sent me this big box. So this is what we have to give away to you people today. Not all of it. But we have a few items that uh, we'll have some trivia questions later on. If you guys can uh, get that stuff going, we'll let you come up here and pick something out. Over let here. Let me start them with introductions. Oh, yeah, that's a good plan, huh? Yeah. Uh, everybody, DragonCon 3013? Come on! I can't do any more wooing. Uh, this is the American Sci-Fi Classics track. I'm Gary Mitchell. I am the co-track director. Uh, second year. Um Thank you for Don't coming. Don't worry, third time's a charm. Right. Uh, if any of you are using a Smarter Than Me phone and the app, please remember that you can rate panels. Uh, when this is all over with and you've got cool swag, please remember to rate five stars. Uh, if you did not like the panel, we're in the Whedon track. <laughs> um, so as I, you can also find me on Revolution SF. Uh, who here is in the American Sci-Fi Classics Facebook group? We have a Facebook group. We do. And if your phone's worked in here, you, you can, can join, join right now. Facebook slash American Sci-Fi Classics. So that's me. And this lovely gentleman is... Phantom Troublemaker. I run the site. Thank you very much. Hey, how's it going, man? Our Phantom um, I run the site Needless Things, uh, NeedlessThingsSite.com. You can come get one of my cards up here after the show if you like me. If you don't, uh, feel free to not do that. Uh, I write about toys, movies, music, everything pop culture. Uh, I do the Needless Things podcast, and I'm also the co-host of the Earth Station Who podcast, uh, which we will be recording a live one tonight at 10 p.m. But uh, toys uh, have been my life since I was young enough to still be allowed to play with toys. Uh, I love them. Uh, They're, to me, uh, a high art form, and I love talking about them. So I wanted to do a panel, and now here we are doing a panel. I'm very fortunate uh, to be here today. And to my right... Uh, my name is Gina Phillips. Um, my primary contribution to this panel is 
uh, a series of underwhelming photographs that I downloaded from the internet. Uh, <laughs> and mostly I, I, uh, I've used adulthood as an excuse to get the toys that I couldn't afford when I was a kid. So there's a lot of folks here can relate to that. And I think that's solid because, I mean, that's that's where we're at now is uh, so many of us that grew up in the 80s mm-hmm. uh, have that disposable income now. So nostalgia plays a big part in what's being produced right now. And uh, But the important thing to remember is their toys. So yeah. one of the key factors is they need to be played with. Uh, one of the very first... You know, it's really nice to to say, oh, look at this thing in the package. And I'll be honest, sometimes there's packaging that I'm like, good gosh, I don't want to open that. I still have, do you guys remember the Thundar figures that came out a few Mm -hmm. years ago? I bought those about six months ago, so of course I paid way more for them than I should have. But I bought them, and I haven't opened them yet because the packaging on those things is incredible. And I'm going to open them, don't worry. But uh, they're just sitting there because I I can't uh, tarnish it yet. But they need to be opened up. They need to be moved around because... Another important thing is you don't know how solid a toy is, how well made it is, whether or not the little arms are going to fall off, whether or not the accessories are made of rubber, which we'll talk about that in a bit, uh, until you open the thing up and do what you're supposed to do with it, which is find a cool pose, put it on your shelf. Or if, you know, you're younger and you're still playing with the toys, or even if you're older, uh, you know, wage your battles, do whatever you got to do. Uh, I want to go back to the very beginning of action figures. Uh, the very first action figure was probably a stick so we're gonna move right past that and go straight to uh, awesome that thing's probably worth a lot of money too as long as you kept it in the package uh in the 70s uh, it was that was kind of the golden age of when action figures really started becoming uh a lot more was invested in them a lot more of an art form now there was some great stuff in the 60s but i'm 37 so i don't know about any of that stuff uh but you went, you moved from basically the little army men that we all know from the Toy Story movies and from Big Lots, and uh, got into some really incredible stuff. I'm, I'm sitting here looking at your Micronauts. Micronauts picture. are incredible. But I, before that, you know, before, before they went to the smaller scale type of figures, of course, we had the GI Joe from the '60s, which was huge and had mountains of accessories you could get. Oh yeah, I was like, I mean, that really was the 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 the, the, the little boy version of Barbie. Because it had all just all these incredible accessories that you could use with him, mm-hmm. and that line kept on for a long time, like mid seventies at least. Yeah, I had um, the Eagle Eye GI Joe, which was a um, you know the big innovate toy innovation. He had a little switch in the back of his head, and he flipped it back and forth in his eyes go back and forth and then we lost that technology for like 20 years right and then hot toys brought it back like it was something new and exciting look his eyeballs move and you're like wait a minute hasbro like 40 years ago yeah but uh and and that was the large scale gi joes and then they also had the uh six million dollar man toy and just first first action figure i ever had was socks I just thought that was the novelest thing in the world. <laughs> um, but those all, you know, they started off as just G.I. Joe was basically Barbie. I mean, that was the thing. And then they realized we've, we've got to refresh the line. And that's, that's one big thing about action figures is there's constant refreshing. There's constant innovation because you've got to keep things going. That's why we have 8,000 different colors of Batman is because, yeah, I mean, everybody loves blue and gray or black and gray Batman. But that gets old on a toy shelf. And when you have to sustain uh, your marketability to kids and to the moms who are going in and buying the toys, you've got to keep coming up with new stuff. Well, then once you've bought your black and white Batman, you don't need to buy another black and white Batman. Right. So You need Batman who can climb mountains or ride a rocket sled or sit on a helicopter well, that's, a that's green. Of what, what the Mego action figures, they had the removable cloth costumes. Oh, yeah. And you could buy other costumes and other things for them that would replace the costumes that they came with stock. I remember they used to have a kit, kit you could buy, for Batman, Superman, and Robin. And it had street clad, like, civilian clothes and, like, little heads you could interchange with their superhero heads. Well, in Mego, that was... I think to this day, Mego still created the finest collection of toys that has ever been made, uh, if only for the licenses. I mean, I love Migos. I love the, love the way that they were done, but there are better superhero action figures. Oh, yeah. But Mego had 
everything. They had Star Trek, and they had DC, and they had Marvel, and they had Planet of the Apes. They had the Archies. They had mm-hmm. the McDonald Land characters. I mean, yeah. people from T Happy Days. People from every kind of genre you can imagine. They were making action yeah. figures for, and they I, were I all the Batman, same scale. Yeah, I had Batman fighting a Gorn. Right, mm-hmm. and and so that's as one does. As as a kid, that's one of the things that you know, growing up in the '80s, I found so lacking is then nothing was the same scale. He Man and GI Joe and Transformers and uh, uh, Visionaries and Inhumanoids and Centurions—they're all weird, different scales. One's you know, three point seven five inches. One's four. One's five. One's eight, and uh, they can't interact at all. Whereas with the Mego stuff. Everything was on the table. Mm-hmm. Anybody could fight anybody. They all work together. And if you, as a collector, it's much more appealing to have a big wall of Migos that all work together as opposed to all these random different sizes, which uh, that's what I've got. I, I mostly collect modern toys uh, because I'm not a rich man. <laughs> and everything you know I've got is all crazy different sizes. Like they just enraged me by releasing new Doctor Who figures that are little tiny figures rather than the traditional five-inch scale. And it's it's wacky stuff, but that plays into how toys have changed since then. Uh, plastic is very expensive now. Things are getting smaller. Toys are getting simpler. Uh, if you look at Walmart or Target or Toys R Us now, you'll notice that more collector-oriented figures with lots of joints, uh, with lots of accessories, are really going away. The new figures that are coming out have their their back to old school Star Wars style, five points of articulation. And to go straight into that, I think Star Wars is probably what got a lot of us collecting, Mm -hmm. what started us down the road, uh, because I think it was the first line focused on really turning people into collectors because they went nuts and made figures of everybody. Oh, yeah. When it first started out, it was 12 figures around around the time the movie came out. And within like Who two years, the promise box. Yeah. You bought yeah. a box that didn't even have the figures empty in box. It. Nothing's in there. <laughs> Which I thought was brilliant marketing. Did anybody yeah. have it? Yeah, I didn't. You had it. Yeah, that was. A, I now I bought the uh, the latter day promise box that Walmart clearanced out for a dollar a piece. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, Star Wars from Kenner was just something like had never really been seen before. It was a focused effort to not only create an entire universe of toys, but also to just keep it interesting. They didn't do a thousand Lukes. They didn't do a thousand Darth Vaders. Initially. Instead, well, but... There was but like really, one iconic one for each like, type the of The original thing. Yeah, line. Yeah, yeah the yeah, original the line had that one Darth Vader figure got repackaged over and over again. Yeah. But just to keep him fresh, not to market Darth Vader. We never got ice armor Darth Vader back yeah. back then. Uh, and, and rather than doing that sort of thing, they just made every character from the movies, uh, or as many as they could anyway. And uh, I think the most important thing to that line, vehicles. Yeah. Yeah. Those Star Wars vehicles were so key. And the thing is, if, if you watch the movies, obviously the space battles... Very important, visually stunning, uh, a, a key portion of the Star Wars mythology. But the characters, you know, the movies are about the characters. They could have gotten away with just doing a whole line of toys and, you know, not even messing with the vehicles. And they really got crazy with those things. When I was a kid, I didn't know what an A-Wing was. You know, when you're a kid and you watch movies and you just sort of take it in, you don't notice all the little details. Like, we don't really become hardcore nerds until we get earlier and and have the ability to retain information that means nothing. So we can, like, forget our home address or whatever, but we're going to remember that the A-Wing came. You know, it's, it's, it's how we work. But as kids, I wanted an A-Wing. I didn't know what the heck it was, but I had to have it. Uh, and that, that you was, you ever, also, yeah, if right. you ever doubted that George Lucas is a genius, um, you gotta realize he, that's the one Star Wars film he, he didn't own. He actually said to Fox, you can have this movie, you have the rights to this movie, but I get to keep all the merchandising rights. Yeah, and that's, and where he that's what made everything. him a gazillionaire. Yeah. And it worked out because, I mean, not, you know, not only, uh, to me, Star Wars is the linchpin of where we are right now. Uh, to get off on a slightly non-toy tangent, uh, Star Wars has created the wave that has made uh, kind of being a nerd what it is now, yeah. where it's not a big deal to be into that stuff, science fiction and fantasy and and, and comic books. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, yeah, it was a culture force, and, and the toy market was absolutely no different because they changed everything. Mego, there were no, there were virtually no more 80s action figures after that Star Wars. Mego tried so they hard. Were pocket superheroes, the little ones, right. which were pretty terrible. Uh, yeah, they were awful. They were. Uh, which is, and it's funny, it's saying something that going against, you know, Star Wars figures, which mm-hmm. looking at them today, yeah. they're very, very primitive. I mean, uh, you mm-hmm. know, very little yeah, paint the deco. On the, on the pocket superheroes were actually a little better than the original right. scopes on the on the exactly, uh, exactly. But they did evolve over time, and then GI Joe came along, and now you might be wondering. Now, wait a minute, hold on there. You're not talking about Masters of the Universe yet. Masters of the Universe was critically important because that was when. Toy makers were able to create cartoons that correlated with their toys. The laws changed in the United States, and they could basically create a 22-minute toy commercial. Mm -hmm. But we're not going to talk about Masters of the Universe today because tomorrow we have a panel just for Masters of the Universe at 530 in this very same room. So Masters of the Universe was very important to the toy industry, but we'll get that tomorrow. So G.I. Joe came along and once again kind of revolutionized things because all of a sudden your figures could bend their knees and bend their elbows. Now, the first ones didn't have the swivel arm battle grip, uh, but they were still blowing away the Star Wars yeah, but stuff. He, that but was he bend his, they could walk without goose stepping. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and G.I. Joe was very slightly better at holding his weapons. Not a lot. I mean, we all we all remember the Star Wars, you know, the Stormtroopers. You know, yeah, holding yeah. like that, oh, yeah. like uh, you have to stand them to the side so they, can, which they've got terrible aim anyway. So who yeah. cares how they hold their guns? Well, the first time I sold it with this hand right here for his gun, for holding his gun. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and, and Skywalker, the, there's my lightsaber. Oh yeah. And back then we didn't have three thousand of those little clear plastic rubber bands to hold the weapons in with. We just had to make do. Um, but GI Joe came along, and in the eighties, uh, you know, that was the Reagan era. Of toys. That's what allowed Masters of the Universe to happen. And everything was very patriotic and gung-ho military. And, like, it was all, that was the hot stuff. And G.I. Joe cashed in on that. And the smartest thing that they did was to bring in a guy named Larry Hama to write the story, basically, of G.I. Joe. But... We'll get to that tomorrow in the G.I. Joe panel at 7 p.m. in this very same room. Be here. Uh, but Masters of the Universe and G.I. Joe are basically what allowed for all, uh, basically an insane toy boom in the 80s. Uh, there, I don't think there will ever be another – because now you, you go in the stores – and there are a few brands. There's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Uh, there's Power Rangers. Power Rangers is never going away, clearly. No. Uh, and I'm not saying that's good or bad or anything else. Irony on that. The first season of that show, there were no toys because they just wanted something to fill a half hour time. They had no idea that it was going to be any kind of success whatsoever. That first holiday season after the show premiered, there was nothing on the shelves. Nothing. And now, what, 20, more than 20 years later, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, Power Rangers are are not my thing. You'll notice we've got a bunch of American toys up here, uh, Japanese-based stuff. Uh, maybe next year. Maybe next year. Maybe we'll have a toy panel. For, maybe on the toy track next year. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's not happening. Don't you tease me. But anyway, the, these guys opened the door for so much creativity in the 80s. You have things like Visionaries, uh, if you remember those, with the holograms on their chest. Uh, and then Supernaturals, that also incorporated holograms, because National Geographic Magazine also incorporated holograms. Holograms were huge. Um, it was a big thing. Which one? The uh, sectar, the insect ones? Sectars that had the horribly creepy, uh, gigantic glove puppets. Do you guys remember those? It would be a large insect, uh, and the kid would stick their hand into this little, uh, like, nylon glove. And, and be the legs. And they'd have action features. You could make their wings buzz. It was actually, uh, I'm horrified and repelled by insects. So I didn't have any sectars. But even as a kid, I admired what they did with the line because they were larger scale figures. They had fantastic articulation for the time. Uh, and the sculpts were really detailed. And I loved the playset, which had the... Exactly. The the playset, huge. Uh, I Four feet tall. At least. If, yeah. if it was an inch. Amazing playset. Uh, and it had a I'm sure we've got a picture of guy. over here coming up. Is that happening? Actually, I'm, I'm pretty much up to about 77. That's about, <laughs> about where I'm on, on um, photos. 
but they there was so much creativity then centurions with all of the uh plugins and gimmicks and buttons and that was where they kind of picked up a little bit from the old school gi joe stuff because they had the accessory packs which were another huge important part of 80s toys because star wars had accessory packs Remember, you can mail away. Mm-hmm. Quick survey, the- quick survey. Who actually sent away to Kenner for more Star Wars uh, accessory packs? Now. Who did it more than once? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. If you can tell me what the first Star Wars accessory pack that was offered from Kenner, uh, give me two of the items that came in there, and you can come up here and pick something from the diamond section. What you got? There was a gas mask. And then there was uh, Yoda's backpack that you just carried yep, around. Come on up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well done. Uh, anything here over? <laughs> Kirk, we picked the, the side of red Well done, sir. Uh, we, we'll have a couple more later, so stay tuned. But... That, that was great stuff because it was a smart way to do a really cheap tooling of, of a negligible item. Yeah. Something that would have just been thrown in with any other figure. And they, they created this phenomena mm-hmm. where you collected the, uh, what were the star, force points? It was force points for jo- Star Wars, huh? Yeah, That's right. They didn't points. have a name yet. Yeah. 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 GI Joe was the one that put a lot in ninety-seven. They definitely did the force points. That's right. That's right. Uh, in the mid-80s, I was actually getting the figures for like a buck a piece at uh, KB Toys. The yeah. original yeah. line was uh, kind oh, of on the race side. They were clearing them out. Yeah. And what's funny is they continued uh, with the clip-out proof of purchase for years beyond when they were still offering things to be sent away. Because I've I've actually got a stack of cards. Saved from the uh, 25th anniversary GI Joes that they did. I think they did one giveaway, maybe, and mm-hmm. never anything else. Yeah. I sent away five points and got the first Cobra Commander. Yeah, and he was the first one that had the swivel battle grip, and they shipped him with the swivel turned. But I didn't realize it was a swivel. I thought he just had a funky hand, <laughs> and I thought, oh, he's the bad guy. He can hide his gun behind his back. That's clever. And I was playing with him, and it twisted. And I'm like, oh my god, it broke it. <laughs> and that was the worst anticipation. Ever because those figures took now granted when you're a little kid six to eight weeks mm-hmm. seems like years now six to eight weeks goes by in no time at all and I'm like where did my six weeks go but back then I remember just suffering running down to the mailbox every single day like is it here yet is it here yet and my mom you know it's going to be a little longer calm down try to be patient you can't tell a little kid to be patient no that's ridiculous but uh there was so much going into the marketing of these toys because you had the cartoons pushing everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything some of had them, a cartoon. Everything some of them lasted longer than others. Yeah. Uh, like the Centurions, for example, had eight glorious episodes. <laughs> but uh, Visionaries went about the same. And then uh, we kind of glossed over Transformers a little bit. Transformers. Another Marvel Comics collaboration as well. Uh, yeah. Transformers was taken... From two different Japanese toy lines and Americanized and went crazy. I remember the first time that I saw Megatron in the store. There's a freaking gun in the toy store, uh-huh. and it's a realistic gun too. I mean, it's this isn't it's not orange or purple or neon or anything like that. This was a legit looking gun, and that was to me the selling point at the time. Transformers were kind of fresh to me. I, I honestly wasn't even that familiar with them the first time I saw Megatron in the store. Now, Optimus Prime was there too. Don't get me wrong. I saw Megatron and Prime at the same time. Optimus Prime's not a gun. Uh, I love Optimus. Don't get me wrong, but he's not a gun. Uh, so that that blew my mind. I was like, wow, I have to have that. And my main toy line was G.I. Joe because my dad was in the military, and it was one of those things where, well, I'll buy you a Jeep or a tank or a, you know, a plane, no problem at all. I recognize this stuff. I can relate to this stuff. But uh, Transformers were were not only a little a little out of his ability to 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 rationalize. They are also pricier. Yeah, they were expensive for, yeah. the, for the time. Yeah, I remember uh, I managed to get a sound wave at one point. Oh. And you've got Soundwave, but what do you have to have to go with Soundwave? The little cassettes. Right. And we found the cassettes. They were very difficult to find at one point, and we found a set of them in a department store. 
which if you guys remember the days when department stores carried toys, uh, riches, and, and yeah, they, oh, yeah, they all oh, yeah. would have toy sections, and they all cost twice as much as they did yeah. anywhere else. I still remember walking into Toys R Us like it was Nirvana, and the oh, whole, yeah. two oh, yeah. whole aisles of nothing but action figures are just like, and yeah. Instead of the six feet. Yeah. Walls got down. Yeah, just massive. I still, I, I very clearly remember the image of. Do uh, you remember Lionel Playworld? Also, I. Oh yeah. I was always a Lionel Playworld guy uh, because we had that first uh, in this area, and I still just burned into my brain is the image of probably sixteen square feet of clearanced Ben Grimm Mego action figure. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Just where where his his rock his rock body was a cloth costume. Yeah. yeah. And only and the head, head, head was actually sculpted big, like the rock. Fat the orange rock head. And his little <laughs> tiny hands. Yeah. Uh, no, I yeah. always thought the, the Mego hands, they were always so interesting to me. They just seemed so delicate and well and they and detailed. They were actually really well detailed. Yeah they were nice looking thing. hands, but they just they couldn't do anything. That's true. They're they're just they're this. That's it. I remember they could hold a communicator. That was the part I cared about. Cause I, once, that was the one I ever had the full line of was the Star Trek. One year, my parents got me all the Star Trek figures and the Enterprise playset with the spinning oh, trans- yeah. transporter deal. That was fun. And you guys may notice we don't have any Migos stuff up here. Uh, that's, that crap's expensive. Uh, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. I'm not a rich man. Uh, being on a panel at Dragon they've Con done some, brings you lots of fame and, and glory, some, but like, Somebody's got a hold of sculpts and done some reissues of some of the... Yeah, they, they've actually they got... Yeah. Well, that happens. Like, my, for example, Micronauts, um, in 2002, somebody tried to, to relaunch it, and they thought they were getting the original molds, and they weren't. No. And what happened was the, the people they contracted to do the molds for them uh, were basically stealing their money and giving them sub, sub-quality uh, molds, and so the figures were terrible. They were massive returns, and the company tried to recover the fumble, but eventually, they, in 2006, they just went bust. Now, there are there are actually several different companies. What you got? Um, you had a question? Yeah, you know, I was just going to say that, like, the department store, uh, JCPenney's outlet, my mom got me literally the micronauts I had, and, and I think they all came from oh, there. Yeah. That was like, she'd make me go out there, and you're like, oh, God, I'm going to be here for hours. So you go over to the toy section, you know, yeah. the boxes are ripped open and things are missing or whatever, but they had an amazing toy selection for something. You know what? Speaking of that... Sears wish book. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. That oh. was that was our internet. Uh-huh. Yeah. That was how we knew what was coming oh, out. Yep. I remember yep. that Sears wish book coming that in the two mail. two-page display. Oh, you two. Of, of just G.I. Joe. Just oh, yeah, G. I. right. Exactly. You did. A toy line would have, it was like, it was like a centerfold. You'd have the whole toy line laid out in attractive Rocky displays. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, like, it was amazing. That was the best yeah, thing Because they were always ever. in a they always did a great job of putting like and here's the GI Joes fighting the Cobras. Right. In in no diorama you could ever manage with yeah. your little eight year old hands, you know. It's like I, I, wait, I want the diorama. How much is the yeah, diorama? Yeah, can I buy that little mountain there hanging? When I uh, when I was a kid I would go to Hill's department store, which I don't know if they ever had any around here. But uh, yeah, the the end cap displays, instead of like the merchandise that they have now, they have a giant enclosed plastic display of Star Wars figures that had the Millennium Falcon all like swooping in. Oh yeah, yeah. And, like, oh. figures on Tauntauns on the ground it was I, I yeah, but there was always some that had busted into it and, and yeah and pulled something out <laughs> that was another big thing um the Sears exclusive yes, items oh yeah because you would have things uh and and this this is where a certain amount of logic found its way into the toy line because they would take GI Joe vehicles mm-hmm. and to repaint them as Cobra vehicles or yes. vice versa. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did that for years with uh, the Mobat tank. Actually, I think I saw a couple of repaints of that. Mm-hmm. The Hiss tank. Uh, that they Hiss they tank didn't repurpose it for the Joes because obviously you can't let a Joe drive a Hiss tank. Right. But they did, mm-hmm. you know, red ones, blue ones, black ones. Uh, and these were all Sears exclusive mm-hmm. items and these were all huge deals. But you didn't have to kill yourself to get them. Yeah. It yeah. was just that only Sears had them. There wasn't, and they any... had plenty of them. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. All you had to do was go get it. A it's a whole different yeah. thing. Red Hordak. Oh, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> uh, you, if you got, are you guys familiar with the Spirit of Hordak fiasco that happened recently? If not, I won't. I won't go too deep into it. But the, uh, you're aware that the Masters of the Universe toy line uh, has been resurrected and has been gone for the past several years as an online only uh, toy line, and. We'll talk about that tomorrow. tomorrow. <laughs> um, 
But yeah. they were just uh, even Star Wars had a lot of. I think they JC Penny only play sets yeah. with the cardboard. They, yeah, they had. They also had series only plays. They also had a series exclusive figure. Uh, Snaggletooth, yes, oh, yeah. the, tall, yeah. the tall one with the blue yeah. outfit, yeah, that, and that one you can't, you can't get that now. Although you can go to the dealer's room today and buy a twelve-inch version of that figure. Yeah, uh, have you guys been to the dealer's room yet? How did you find your way out the, the to la- get here? Uh, the less said about that, the better. Yeah, imagine if you can't climb stairs. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was not fun. I'm not going back there. Oh. Less said about the better. Yeah, it was crazy, and I don't know that I saw the whole thing. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, but once again, going back to uh, let's let's predate the '80s a little bit. Okay. What what got you started? What was well, your line? Well, I'll tell you. First, well, first was the Migo, the Migo eight inches. I was starting. I remember getting those like when I was five and six years old. Like just the, about the seventy three, seventy four. That was about when the line started coming out. Um, and it would be you know there was a lot. Of, I think it was was tying with Super Friends. They weren't like licensed you know Super Friends tie ins, but obviously that was part of the marketing strategy. And. Uh, before I had Superman, Batman, the original Batman had a removable mask, which was so cool. And then later on, they undid that. Same thing with Lone Ranger action figures. First, you could take his mask off, and they they kind of dished that later on because the mask was so fragile. Um, so I was doing that for a long time, and did Star Trek. And like I said, uh, yeah, early like around seventy four, seventy five. Planet of the Apes. My parents got me all the oh, Apes figures. Man, yeah, those oh, wow. they were gorgeous too. And and the, the big treehouse playset, which was based on the TV show, which, which eventually got into. repurposed into the Ewok playset, didn't it? Uh, it was for eight inches. So oh, okay, yes, yeah, these are the eight inch Beagle ones. Then um, the big thing was uh, was was right before Star Wars hit was Micronauts. Yeah, and I mean, much as I loved my Star Wars, because I was big in Star Wars action figures, I could never afford the vehicles, unfortunately. But uh, I was big in the action figures until like the early '80s, and uh, pretty much all the ones I have are ones I bought from that time period. But the ones that stick with the toys stick with me are the Micronauts. Um, they were a Japanese toy line called Microman, and Mego brought them over in the early, uh, about the mid '70s, '75, '76. Uh, gave you know gave them new names and stuff because some of the names were pretty hilarious. Um, and that, that was a fantastic toy line. I mean, I one thing I noticed about it is that it has like the versatility of Legos in a lot of ways. Yeah, they were every single thing went into something else. They all they had they had all these standard five millimeter holes that you could do anything with. It was unbelievable. The figures were super articulated. Unfortunately, they were articulated in that classic Mego faction where you have a rubber band in the center of the figure that holds the whole thing together. The only difference was. At least if that one broke, you could take the figure apart and redo it. The, the Migos, if those, if that went, you were stuck, and you were sitting there with a screwdriver trying to get the rubber band restrung, and that would never work. Yeah. But I, I love the Micronauts so much; they're still one of my favorite toy lines ever. Look at this, the Crater Cruncher. Okay, this whoever came with this is like the most genius marketing person ever. They got kids to buy a backhoe, a sci-fi <laughs> backhoe. I just find that that that's impossibly fantastic to me. And this, it was such imagination, such things I'd never seen before. I just, I, I can't go on enough about how much I, uh, I, I love that one. The vehicles were great. Uh, in 94, I bought a hydrocopter. It knew in the package at a convention, because my old one was, you know, long gone. I think it was Dragon No, it was actually, it was actually, uh, no, it was up in, uh, it was the one that, uh, okay, yeah, but different kind. Uh, it was, was mock actually. And, uh, but unfortunately, it had been in a warehouse for so many years, it had gotten some heat damage in that bubble, which, is important to be perfectly round for it to work. Kind of got a little out of shape, and the damn thing never worked right. But it was brand new. All the accessories were on the cards, and it had to be snapped off. And oh, yeah, that's the so, best yeah, yeah. Opening stuff. I love opening stuff. People who hate opening stuff. That's my favorite because you get this collective gasp when you do it. I, I was uh, my my thirty second birthday. I got all these great speed racer toys. Those are fantastic toys. Yeah. The Mach 5 is like this big. and Oh, the pa- uh, Palisades? I think so. And the thing I loved about that toy, it also was a good demonstration of why you got to take stuff out of the package. The Speed Racer figure was great. He had a shoulder bag and all kinds of accessories. And he had a gun. I was like, holy crap, in 2000 for a kid's toy? But the gun is sculpted so that his finger fits in the trigger guard of the gun. You would not know that if you didn't take him out of the package. I'm like that's the kind of thing that 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 when you were talking about taking stuff out of the package, that's why that's the other thing is so important because you don't get the 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 feel for how uh, how amazing the work is on some of these. Well, and, and also um, opening stuff up. One of the things that seems to be uh, missing from a lot of modern toys now, everything seems to come pre-stickered, pre-assembled. When I was a kid, opening that box up oh, yeah, not that and bad. pulling out <laughs> what are those all of those parts, twisting the missiles out of that mm-hmm. big plastic thing that held all the missiles and guns and everything in Man. place. And, yeah, it always frustrated me then 
trying to get, like, let's say you've got the G.I. Joe Tomahawk helicopter. Yeah. You've got to slide open that bay door, and for some crazy reason, there's a sticker that goes inside the bay door in between the two seats. And you're, you know, your sad little eight-year-old finger is trying to get in there and get that sticker in the right spot. And I can't get a G.I. Joe sticker on the tail on straight, so I have no hope of this. But what this means is every kid that had a tomahawk, that's their tomahawk. Their stickers are on it the way they put it on there, and it's it's almost like it's not customized in the you know strictest sense of the word. I love it's the Micronauts Battle Cruiser because look at this damn well, thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you, did you have a <laughs> question? Still- Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. That was probably one of the last toys that I stickered myself. Oh, yeah. And my little sister, she's 10. I gave it to her because I still have it. I kept it. And she makes fun of me because all the stickers are crooked. Even including in the closet, there was a sticker for Barbie's closet. Oh, is it one of the big giant stickers? Those were the worst. They tell, tell, your sister, tell your sister that she might as well make fun of the scars you got in the war. That's what I say to her. <laughs> Those big stickers are the worst because back that were, they were probably paper stickers, right? Mm-hmm. I just remember that there were the sheet of stickers that came with this thing. Sure. And then a sheet of, not a sheet, excuse me, a little plastic bag. Was there a turkey dinner sticker? Because that would be great. I remember when I had Big Jim's RV. Yeah, oh, yeah, to, yeah. Remember the Big Jim line? Does anyone recall that? Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, those big paper stickers, you, you had those. If you didn't get those right, it was all over. Because there was no like, oh wait, let me redo this. It was done. So you'd have a big crooked closet just... Or like the, the panel stickers for the TIE Fighter Wings. Yes. So oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You'd get it wrong, and there'd be this huge wrinkle. Oh, and yeah. You, and you sit there with your thumbnail trying to right. yeah, exactly. the little part down, and it's just going to stick up forever. I remember seeing so many uh, TIE Fighters and thrift stores where all the stickers were ripped off because the kid had put them on wrong and uh, tried to take it off to fix it and it was yeah. just ripped off. And it's just white mess. Yeah. Okay, speaking of the TIE Fighter, uh, let's, let's take a look at the technology of the time and think about how exciting this was. No TIE Fighter ever made that noise, but those guys put the little red yeah. light in the front, which is also not where it fires from, yeah. but, uh, uh, you know. Action Fleet. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those were some fantastic toys. Yeah, indeed. Getting all three of those, I mean, that took me almost 12 years. Yeah, I would imagine so, because, that you know, at the time... They were really cool, but they were part of that Star Wars boom. Yeah. And they really kind of get, now they made a ton of them, but they kind of got overshadowed by the main line a little bit. I remember those things sitting around on clearance forever. And I have, I, I will admit this to you guys right now. In the toy knowledge that I have, which is not all encompassing, I, you know, I can talk, but, uh, I have no idea what happens to clearance toys because they don't all sell. Yeah. You'll see thousands of, uh, let's say, Action Fleet uh, B-Wings sitting at KB Toys on the top shelf for years and years, and then one day they're just gone. Okay, I think I know what happens. They melt the plastic, and they use it to make two-and-a-half-men DVDs. So you people, if you want to do what's good for America, you go out and you buy those clearance toys before that happens. I'll, I'll go with that. Yeah. And I'll, just just to, uh, to let's stop two-and-a-half-men. Yeah. Let's do something good with this panel. And I think the other reason you have to pull them out of the packaging is sometimes the packaging will warp the toy. Oh, yeah. I yeah. hate when that happens. Some, oh, yeah, sometimes it's done before any time is oh, yeah, passed whatsoever, know, like Mattel does. If you've ever shopped for records in a flea market, the worst thing you can oh, find is one of the shrink wrap. Because that's it's called shrink wrap for a reason, people. It continues <laughs> to do its job. Uh, and then another big thing that happened in the 80s, uh, it really is a cost measure more than anything else, uh, minifigures yeah. got really, really hot. With ultimate muscle, well, it wasn't ultimate muscle at the time. I had muscle. so many of those. Those little pink guys. Does everybody remember? They came like in those little plastic clear trash cans. They came sometimes. in the trash cans. They came in uh, blister cards. Mm-hmm. 
And, and then, then they, that big box. The big box. I never I had that two thing of those. was the mother load. And the big box had exclusive ones that you couldn't get without buying the big box. But muscle led to I'm actually going to reference something that's up here now. It's crazy. Uh, Monster in my pocket. Which was a little outside of my frame of reference, but continued the minifigure line. Really, I think the fad that's going on today, because uh, minifigures are a huge thing now. They're very easy to get done. They're Kickstarters. You can go on Kickstarter and find a thousand different people trying to make minifigures. And they're really talented artists who can sit down and it's reasonable for them to create these little, you know, non-articulated toys that look really cool. They're fun to collect. And what Kickstarter has done now with the toy business is made it feel like a community. Because I think where the toy industry has started to sort of go wrong, at least at, at retail at large, is... We don't really feel as much like we're part of it, invested in it. It's not, there's no longer any concern whatsoever for the collector and the fan. It's all about the bottom line. It's all about cutting corners on paint jobs. It's all about cutting corners on articulation and materials used. Uh, and obviously, since the beginning, the toy industry is about making money. That's all it's about, and that's all it should be about, because why in the world are you doing it otherwise? But I feel like there was a certain amount of concern given to durability, playability, uh, a lot of things that maybe aren't happening now. But these Kickstarter guys, they're creating communities around their toy lines, and I'm very interested to see what's happening 10 years from now when buying toys at Toys R Us and Target and Walmart is obsolete because we're really getting to that point now. Uh, if anybody has been trying to collect Mattel's uh, DC releases over the past few years, yeah. yes. it's a nightmare. There's no point really in even looking There's at There's no the such store thing for. as finding them in retail anymore. No, it's, yeah, a, it's they're absurd. aftermarket the second they come out. Uh, Hasbro's Marvel Legends have been the same way. Uh, the, the, I think the second series, they'll, they'll glut the shelves with one series and then you'll never find them again. Uh, I think they've forgotten. Well, Walmart, let, let's do another good thing today and make sure that, that everybody knows that Walmart is the enemy of the toy industry. <laughs> Except for the Walmart. <laughs> but the problem with that is that's all that you can find at Walmart. Oh, again, that's the only thing you should ever get at Walmart is Yes, exactly. But Walmart has been shrinking their toy out. They are the largest toy retailer in America. And it's uh, Toys R Us is not. Obviously, Target is not. Walmart makes more money selling toys than any other company. And their male action figure aisle has been reduced to 12 feet. Do you know how many different toy lines can fit in 12 feet? Not a lot. Go into Walmart and look and understand that that's all we're going to have to collect if Walmart continues to be America's biggest toy retailer. Now, I'm not talking um, the people that work at Walmart. That's awesome. Go to Walmart, buy your groceries, buy everything else. But buying toys at Walmart is killing the toy industry and hurting collectors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you find and the same six Stormtroopers, the same six Batman. Yeah, well, and, and they're they're squeezing out smaller lines. Uh, you're not going to find this diamond stuff at Walmart. And Diamond is in a very unique position right now where they're offered, I mean, they're part of Diamond. They're the company that distributes to comic book shops. And you can get them from comic book shops. You can get them online. Every once in a while, they'll turn up in Toys R Us, depending on what license uh, you're talking about. Like, you can find this guy at Toys R Us. But... Uh, Diamond's in a unique position where they can cater to the collector. They can really look at things and say, okay, we want to make a really well-articulated minifigure that's got an affordable uh, buck, but that we can turn into basically anybody. And that's what the mini-mates are. Oh, yeah. This line is one of the most all-inclusive lines since Mego because they've got Universal Monsters, they've got Marvel, they've got Star Trek, they've, they've done... Everything. I mean, it's it's an amazing line, and they're great little figures the too. They play well. With the minifigs is that uh, maybe some people might be able to relate to this, especially with adults as you get on collecting as you get older. You have to realize you only have so much horizontal space in your life. 
Yeah. And eventually start running out of places to put things. And you're like, if I had a lot of smaller stuff, it might be better than all the big things I used to love so much. Mm-hmm. Right now, my main thing on collecting is Heroclix. Because then you get to play with them. They're actually things that you play with. And a lot of them are really nice sculpts and have really cool looks, looks to them. And uh, they have a, a certain collector's value to them. The market, um, the market for them is actually priced based on what they're useful for, not necessarily how not always how rare they are. Like Magic, um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, they, they intentionally make stuff really rare, and uh, those certain those cards will be really expensive for that reason. The, the Heroclix, a little more, you know, a little less of that sort of thing going on, and uh, I, I enjoy it, and it's a very unified system. Like, I play Marvel and DC characters together all the time. It's fantastic. I love that. I think it's time for another trivia question, right. another little bit of giveaway. That's good. The uh, this <laughs> okay yeah who remembers this guy on the screen what's his name yes yeah, the see through man the yeah. <laughs> I, I, loved, I, I had a pulsar I love this guy he's he, pulsar uh, what was it right, who said was, pulsar who said pulsar anything well this over here anything here over. He also had a flip-up head, which was really weird and disturbing. Oh, yeah, I remember him now. With a little disc now. he put in there. I was, I guess, supposed to program his yeah, brain. Yeah, he, he had the Thank programming you. brain. He, but, see, my, well done, sir. His gimmick is he had a giant button wow. on his back. He nice. pressed the button, and his heart and lungs would inflate. And those little uh, little tubes were like supposed to be like you know blood blood vessels, and a little red liquid would, would travel through them. Mine though had a heart murmur, <laughs> so when you pressed them, it would inflate and then start to deflate. Where you're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and that's the one I was born with a heart murmur. I was like, okay, that's a toy for me. Uh, but then I forgot about these guys. Okay, so some of us didn't get Star Wars at first, and some of us got rip-off Star Wars characters. <laughs> like, Tommy made these guys. Wow. Oh, yeah. They're not... Uh, they got sued. They, they got... They, the pan- Ideal was, actually. That's Ideal, the model company. Was uh, that, like, Space Combat? Uh, actually, what are they... Actually, they're uh, the Star Team. S-T-A-R. I don't know what's the name. I don't know what its initials for, but... Yeah, it was a blatant rip-off of Star Wars. Uh, Fox sued the pants off of them for that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, I had all this is stuff I had all of. I'm like, thanks, mom. So Hasbro, with I with, had a picture of that. I think it was boot. His, his feet are black. With GI Joe and Transformers, Hasbro was really dominating. Uh, and then Kenner came along and said, "Hey, you know what? I think maybe we can combine those things." And they brought out Mask. Yes. Oh yeah. Which stands for? Yes, sir. Very good. Come on up. Bring it up here. Um, now, as even as a kid, and I'm a get. I saw grammar Nazis earlier. People cosplaying as grammar Nazis with uh, <laughs> little. Yeah, it was great. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but even as a kid, I would rather they have spelled mask with a C than spelled command with a K. That always just bugged the crap out of me. Uh, but mask was amazing, and but once again, it was a different scale. It drove me nuts that I could not use these awesome vehicles with my GI Joes. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's they were so much more intricate than even because the GI Joe vehicles were nice. They were doing a great job. What was that? Yeah, that's very true. Which Dino Riders have recently seen a resurgence. Have you seen? I don't know how the uh, the Maginex stuff. We've. Uh, I have a five year old son, so I have the advantage of being able to buy lots more toys oh, I, than I, I recently should. I think the Maginex line is fantastic for kids. That is a fantastic line of toys, and it's I another one that's encompassing a lot of licenses. Like yeah. Mattel has done very clever things by making all of these kid friendly licenses and throwing them all under that Imaginex banner and doing some really creative things. The DC stuff is yeah. great. Also, the fact they're doing a lot more, a lot more inclusive. The line is as well. Yeah, marketing to girls a lot more with the superhero toys. I think it's fantastic. I like the uh, the Invisible Jet. Yes, the Invisible Jet is great. Well, have you seen the Javelin yet? Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. The fact, and and this is the one thing that drives me crazy. Uh, something that comes out of Mattel's mouth over and over and over again is, well, we really can't afford to do uh, playsets. We really can't afford to do vehicles, and yet they're doing an Imaginex line. They have a Javelin. It's this oh, yeah. big. Have you seen the, 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 the Joker's hideout? Joker's Magic hideout. Ice? That thing is that gorgeous. Oh it's, it's wild. Now, having said that, uh, has anybody picked up any of the Batman 66 toys yet? 
Okay. Not yet, but I will. <laughs> Where are they? Uh, oh uh, uh, yeah, don't do that because they're going to be easy to find. I've already found them in Toys R Us, uh, but they're too expensive there. I didn't buy them there. I got mine online. Uh, if if you can eagle eye Amazon or have a friend that can eagle eye Amazon, uh, you can find figures for regular price on Amazon, no problem. September eighteenth, by the way, if anyone's into Hero Clicks, they're doing a Batman sixty six line for Hero Clicks. <laughs> Um, Wait. But the Batmobile, they made the Batman 66 Batmobile. It's a Toys R Us exclusive. It's so many different Batmobiles. Wait till you see it in person. Yeah. I had the first one I had, The of course, it was the TV Batmobile for the longest time. Sure. And the one I had had an articulated flame plastic thing that would come out the back as you rolled it. Oh yeah, yeah. I was like, that was. I, I never saw that kind of again. When I got them later, they didn't have that. I was like, that is the greatest thing. Well, that was the Batmobile style for years because even the Superpowers Batmobile, Batmobile was okay. the Batman '66 Batmobile. I do. I honestly, okay. If you're going to collect the Batman '66 line, you're going to have to buy that Batmobile. But it is not a good toy. Uh, it's not a sixty dollar toy at all. Uh, they used rubber for the exhaust oh, no. pipes, for the radar, Aww. and for the two fins beside the light on top. They did not, however, use rubber for the tires. It has the phone inside. It has the ejector seat release inside. Like There's so many little details that they got right, but overall as a toy, it feels like some some cheap clunky thing that would have been made for a five year old. If you've seen any of Diamond's vehicle releases, like the uh, they did the DeLorean, um, that they've done some really nice high detail stuff. And as a matter of fact, I just ordered Amazon had an exclusive slave Boba Fett Slave One uh, that I just got recently. Now it's it's a uh, repaint of the Django Fett Slave One that came out a couple of years ago. Right. But the price is a, is comparable with that Batmobile, and it's far more toy. I. I it's absurd that Mattel thinks that this Batmobile is a $60 toy, but it explains why they think the Ecto-1 they were trying to make is a $215 toy. Yeah, that was like crazy. That's insane, and it didn't go through because people weren't weren't going to go yeah. for it. With with uh, with Matty Collector's history at this point, uh, I, I think they didn't have enough good faith to get something like that through. <laughs> yes. The uh, <laughs> Hot Toys and Metacom, and uh, there's there's one more company that is making insanely oh high God, quality, yeah, insanely high price, uh, <laughs> yeah. 1-6 scale figures. That, I, I, that honestly, I used to... Joker is an unbelievable. you got to see yeah. it. And it has eagle eye vision. Yeah. Um, but the... I started off with Sideshow. You, you guys uh, familiar with Sideshow Collectibles? Yeah. Who... I started off collecting their Buffy figures. I'm a huge fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, and Sideshow did Buffy 1-6 scale figures. They look absolutely fantastic. Uh, and, yeah, they're pretty much really well-articulated Barbies, but shut up. Um, so, the, yeah, they are. But when they when I first started buying them, they were 40 bucks a piece, which is reasonable. Yes, sir? Um, I would like to say that... Um company called SH Monsters come out. Which yes. Makes these awesome Godzilla figures. I have we have one at our house. It's Godzilla. I'm trying to get Mechagodzilla, but they're kind of expensive and pretty cool. If you would like to see a panel next year about foreign toys, make oh, yeah. sure. I think there's an area yes. for notes there's where you rate the panels. Oh, yeah. If if there's anything you guys would like to see next year to specify toy lines, because that's something I'd really be interested in doing. Uh, put a note in there. And if you have a Shogun Warrior to show off, please be feel free to bring it. Oh, yeah. I've, I've got one of the re-releases oh, that yeah. they did, and that was a good re-release. I, I had a single yeah. rocket figure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you've got a heater, keep that shit home because he's ugly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Sideshow started off making very reasonably priced, uh, fantastically done 1-6 scale figures. And over time, as with every toy company, things got more expensive. Uh, but they kicked off uh, Star Wars line as well. 
Mm-hmm. Also, fantastic figures. Uh, well, no, that's uh, that was Hasbro. You're talking about the static statues that were really hyper detailed. Yeah, yeah. that was a different thing. Now, those are very nice. No, these are the one six scale, like old school GI Joe style figures. Except they're incredibly detailed. They come with tons and tons of accessories, uh, and, and and to a, a point three worth to four the price. Famous plan. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing is once they once they got the Star Wars license, the figures got up to around seventy to eighty dollars. And then they got the G.I. Joe license, and that was when the first $120 figure came out. And I said, I have to stop buying these things because I can't yeah. spend $120 on one action I, figure. I don't care how I nice it is. Here, them, but baby, I trust can't me on this justify one. it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, sir. Yeah. When y'all were talking about hot toys, uh-huh. hot toys, I've seen a lot of them. Not, don't really, I would think, classify as toys. They're more like... They're collectibles, they're, they're, but, but they are. But they are toys, and that's why they're so great. Because I, I, I have one Hot Toys figure. Uh, it is the Jessica Beale figure from Blade Trinity. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say And it's it is not only a beautiful, you know, work of art, but it is functional. Like it's not. Weak. It's not fragile. It works. All the and it's got a. Uh, it's actually brilliant. It has an armature underneath a soft uh, skin, so the joints aren't visible where they shouldn't oh, be. That's nice. It, it's it's a really brilliantly done, and it's predator comes with about eighty different accessories. Yes. Yes. Hot toys are expensive, but by God, you get your yeah, money. Yeah, you do. I, and that's the thing. These these toys are worth the money. I just I just can't, can't afford that. Money. Right. Exactly. Under the armature, some uh, of the figures have started to have uh, bad cases of dry rot. I've been curious about how that's going to happen. Uh, I've had the one I've got for three years now, I think, and I, I sort of keep an eye on it because I, I feel like there's no way that skin's not going to deteriorate at some point, uh, like much like a yellow stormtrooper helmet. Yeah. But you know, we'll we'll see. We'll at Dragon Con 2023. We'll discuss that. You want to do another uh, trivia question? You can use aqua velva if you rub it on like the soft plastics, and that keeps moisture in it. Oh, what about so high, now your toys nice. smell like a man. What about high karate? Can you use high karate? For that? I wouldn't use high karate. Sex Panther might be okay though. Have you got a uh, you got a trivia question? Sarah? I don't, but if you have one, we might be time for one. All right, uh, one more trivia question. Uh, let's see here. I only had two prepared. Don't. Okay. Okay, I got one. What do All you right. got? All right. Six million dollar man's mortal enemy was made into an action figure, and it's not Sasquatch. No, it was a mascot. Okay. Uh, you had your hand up first. <laughs> we'll uh, let's try another one because that that quite didn't work. Okay. Remember, right. raise your, your hand, hand and wait and until we time, yes. yeah wait until we call on you. Uh, let's see. Oh, okay. Here we go. There was a line in the eighties. It involved an outer space theme, and all of the figures were magnetized and interacted. You sir, that is it. Bring it up. Well done. Over. And if I could... No, get out of here. I, I saw him keep inching over. I think you guys were working together on that one. Um, if everybody that won something could stick around for a second after the panel... Yeah, I've got to get a picture to send off to Zach Oates so he'll send me more stuff next year. I have to get it for the Molloy. Yeah, right, right. Good man. So obviously today we didn't get the opportunity to talk about hardly anything. We can easily go another panel, but that's yeah. why you're going to come back next year. Whoa, whoa, whoa! You're going to come back tomorrow at five thirty to talk about Masters of the Universe, and then at seven to talk about GI Joe, a Real American Hero. But and next, then next year, year, more toys, more giveaways, foreign toys, maybe. Remember to ask for it. We don't know you want it unless you tell us. Yeah, if you go in and uh, rate the panel, uh, make a note. Say what you'd like to see. We'll find out, and next year we'll address it. And we'll get people in here who can talk about Japanese toys, because that's not me. (laughs) And needless things... 
NeedlessThingsSite.com. You can come up here and get a business card. And uh, Billy's Toys contributed all the vintage toys over here. Take one of his cards. If there is a toy you are looking for, Billy will find it for you. (laughs) He is a toy genius. I tried to talk him into coming in here, and he's afraid of large crowds, so that didn't happen. But uh, take one of Billy's toys. Give him a call. Email him. He will find you anything that you need. And thank you so much for coming. I appreciate it. Same for you guys. You're fantastic. And there you go. That's the big toy panel from Dragon Con 2013. Kung Fu Grip. Uh, action figures of the 70s to the 90s and beyond. Uh, which, as I noted, the beyond was only because we got so much help from Diamond. But if I, I apologize for the quality of my voice, both in the intro, outro, and in the panel itself. Uh, the, the panel... I, you know, I did my best to not scream at wrestling, but I can't not scream at wrestling. So my voice was, was a little shot, uh, all weekend actually. And then, uh, now I'm just getting over a severe case of con crud that seemed to affect my throat in particular. I actually had to miss the MCW show, uh, this past Friday night because I couldn't talk without hacking and drying up, uh, and I'm, which, I'm sure you can tell I'm just now sort of getting over that. So I certainly wasn't going to be doing any ring announcing. Uh, That's it for this episode. Check back in very, very soon, uh, possibly within the week, for the Masters of the Universe panel and the G.I. Joe panel. They're both really good. Like I'm so proud of them. Uh, Mr. Bo Brown and William Stout. Uh, join myself and Gary Mitchell for the Masters of the Universe panel. And then uh, award-winning Bobby Nash and Noel. And uh, once again, Gary Mitchell were on the G.I. Joe panel with me, which technically wasn't my panel, but I kind of made it that way because I'm kind of a big, pushy prick. This episode of the Needless Things Podcast was brought to you by Billy's Toys and Comics. You can uh, get in touch with Billy at billystoys at att.net. That guy can find you any toy that exists. Just drop him a line and let him know. And if you're local, that is located at 3569 Atlanta Highway, Suite 300, Flowery Branch, Georgia, 30542. Go visit Billy. Uh, He's in there most Saturdays. And if you want to have a conversation about toys, uh, that guy will satisfy you and fulfill your needs. Uh, Remember, check out NeedlessThingsSite.com for full DragonCon coverage, including pictures, commentary on events, and just generally my adventures uh, throughout the con. You can download the Needless Things podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. I want to thank the ESO Network for bringing me on board, and I want to thank the DragonCon American Sci-Fi Classics track for really making me feel like an important part of their family. Uh, Joe and Gina and Gary and Don and everybody else in that track, uh, you guys are are beyond fantastic. I, I don't even have words for how awesome you guys are. And of course, the Phantomaniacs, you guys listening, I love you guys. Uh, check back in soon for G.I. Joe for Masters of the Universe. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com.